Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we come into your presence and we thank you that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that we have an open access, that we can come into your presence, that we belong in your presence. We thank you that because of the blood, the price of our sin has been paid. We thank you. And thank you, Lord, that you have said that when we cast our burdens upon you, you will take care of it. You will perfect that which concerns each one of us, that worry and concerns are not our inheritance. Hallelujah. So Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Glorify Jesus. Make the word alive so that it may produce what it says. So for your glory's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So I have to make up for three weeks now until I'm back, I think. So it's going to be a long sermon. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You know that... Uh, one of the things that is so important we understand as believers is that uh, there is a purpose of why we are still here. Okay, you know that uh, I think many believers, many Christians, they believe that the purpose of us being believers is that when I die, I go to heaven, or because I'm a Christian, when I die, I don't go to hell. Okay, but that's not the purpose of why we are still here. Because if that, was, if that was the only thing that was matter to God, when we got born again, we might as well die. If, you know, what, why, why hanging out here if, if all we are waiting for now is just to die? Okay? No, there is a purpose of why you and I we become believers. And Jesus, he said that, that is that we should let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? And there is one thing that only you and I we can do. But no, there's one thing that not even Jesus can do. There's one thing you can do that not even Jesus can do. And that is to say, once I was a sinner, but now I'm saved. Okay? That's why angels are not preaching the gospel. Okay? Sometimes I was thinking, wouldn't it have been easier just to send an angel and scaring the living daylight out of every sinner and then we'll all get saved. But angels cannot preach the gospel. We are entrusted with that message to preach the gospel. And one of the things, when you read the, the letters of epistles to Timothy, these are some of the last writings of the Apostle Paul, and where he's trying to hand over his legacy to his spiritual son Timothy. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul really emphasizes upon Timothy is, that remember, Timothy, you are a soldier. Okay? No, but this thing about being a Christian is not a holiday trip. You, know, you are in a world that in nature hates what is inside of you because the world is in darkness and you have the light of the living God inside of you. Okay? So in nature, that the world we have been placed in will always work against you. That's why when you cannot ask your circumstances about am I in the will of God? 
You cannot ask your circumstances about, am I blessed, and so on and so forth. Okay? You, you have to ask the word of God or your spirit. And in 2 Timothy 2, and verse 3 and 4, it says here, it says, You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. I don't know if you say but But it's very important we understand. You know, many, we, I, I see one of the greatest hindrances for why people don't receive their breakthroughs. The greatest enemy is convenience. Okay, if you... If you read through the great men and women in the, in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, there's one thing you cannot attach to their life. They're not looking for a convenient life. They're not looking for a life that is easy. They're not looking for a life of comfort. That's not their goal. Their goal is to break through. Amen? And I believe that we, as again, you know, that I can see, I remember many, many years ago when I got saved, uh, I used to have a a wart on my right, right little finger, yeah, and it was just there. And you know that after a while, you, you know, when you had all your life, you don't pay attention to it. But then one day, it just dawned on me, I can do something about it. So what I did, this is back in 1992 or 1993, 92. So I just looked at it, and then I said, I curse it in the name of Jesus. Okay, and then I didn't pay any more attention to it. And then one day, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know when. Suddenly one day I looked at my hand and it was gone. Okay, now my point here is that if we, the God is not going to do it for you. The initiative has to come from me. Amen. And 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 sometimes because of we thinking, oh, I can't be bothered, and nothing happens. Okay, but here the Apostle Paul he says to Timothy, remember you are a soldier. You are, you are, you are, you are, a part of your Christian life is that you are supposed to fight. You're supposed to have breakthroughs. You're supposed to gain new territory. You're supposed to grow, not just be in status quo. Okay, because that's called a ceasefire. That's not war. Okay, but we are supposed to battle. We're supposed to, uh, fighting is a part of our life. Uh, I was reading about John Wesley. If you ever get to that area of Britain, it's actually quite interesting how they build churches, the, the Methodists. Now, I never understood why, the, if you go to a Methodist church, uh, the pulpit is always a little bit awkward to get to, to say the least. I never understood why. And uh, the windows are always right underneath the ceiling. And, uh, but it was because of, uh, when you were a Methodist, they did not love you when you were a preacher. So they had to build, so they built a church in Bristol, that's the first Methodist church, it's called the New Room, because I think they burned down the, the church in London or something, and then John Wesley said, we need a new room. So they built this church down in Bristol, and uh, the, so, uh, so this guy, he explained, the pulpit is built in a way so only one person at a time can come to the pulpit. That was to protect the preacher so he didn't get beaten up by the mobs. <laughs> okay? 
<laughs> so, so that's why it was very awkward. And when uh, the reason for why the windows was right underneath the ceiling is so that people, when we, we, it was hard for people to throw things in through the church. Okay? And, but they were, they were used to war. They, they, they realized that when they, they, when they became believers, they were being placed in the midst of a spiritual war between good and evil. Okay? And so are you and I. But the thing is that the devil had managed to tell many of us in our generation that the, the, the purpose of Christianity is for me to be blessed or in the pursuit of thrills or experiences or something like that. You know, I actually found in, in, the, in the book of Proverbs, in the message translations, it says something like, it's Proverbs 21, 17. You, you are addicted to frills. What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. Amen? And, 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 and this is where I find that many Christians, this is what we are pursuing because we think this is what it means to be a Christian. No. What it means to be a Christian is that we bring other people into the kingdom. We bring the kingdom of God to other people. We set the captives free. We, we, we lay hands on the sick and they recover. We, we, we bring the message of forgiveness for people to be set free of guilt and sin. I'm telling you, I think the greatest thing you can ever experience as a believer is when you lead someone else to Jesus. Okay? There's no other thing that is greater. It doesn't matter how many expensive things you get blessed with. It cannot compare with leading other people to Jesus. Why? Because this is what we are created for. No, this is what we are made for, to bring the gospel out. Not just to uh, survive here uh, for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, uh, depending on how, how long you want to hang around, and then you, you go home. No, I believe that uh, there was a preacher, he said to me that when it's your turn to go, you, you have to say to Jesus, just wait five more minutes because there's another demon I need to kick out over here. Mm-hmm. We should be busy doing the kingdom. But we need to get the focus back and realize who we are. Because I believe that the devil had managed to tell us, many of us, that we are something that we are not. Many of us, we, when we ask, when we ask, we are very quick to tell ourselves and others around us what we are not good at. We are very quick to, what can I say, diminish ourselves, make ourselves little, and so on and so forth. And that's not who you are. Amen. You know, but many of us, we think, oh, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. Yes, you can. Why can I say that with confidence? Because when you got born again, you received the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. Now, now, the Holy Spirit, you have to understand, the Holy Spirit is God. You know, it's not just like uh, we have God the Father, who is number one, God the Son, Jesus, number two, and God the Holy Spirit, number three. We are not ranked. Do, do you understand? When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the ability of God. Amen. You know, the Bible, Corinthians talks about that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But just, just try and give that a thought. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God, dwells in you. Amen. Okay, for some people, he got a bigger space to live in than others. 
I, I, I was this guy who said this thing, a man without a belly is like a house without a balcony. <laughs> okay, I don't know. My man was quite big who said it, of course. But, but we have to realize that there is a purpose of why the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That we should bring life of the kingdom in our surroundings. Not just about thinking, oh, I just need a good time, I just need a good time. No, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And you know what? Wherever you are, that spirit in you is greater than what is around you, if you let it out. I remember when I came to England, I got to know a, 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 an Ethiopian preacher. And he was over here for, I don't know what he was doing here, but, but, he, but in Ethiopia, he, he spent most of his time in prison because he annoyed every single one he came across. You know, that was when Ethiopia was communist. So, um, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, so, so he was standing on the street preaching at all these soldiers, they need to repent, and communism was a dead ideology, and, and he just gave later, and after a while they got so annoyed with him, they threw him in prison. And, uh, but you know what, the prison is not like a UK prison, okay? And uh, so when he was in prison, instead of complaining, so he said, you know, I was thinking, when he saw this guy over in the corner who was sick, and when he shouted, hallelujah, now I know why I'm here. So he jumped over to this guy and punched him, and he got healed. <laughs> and he's one of these Gary, you know, when I'm talking about him now, so he was completely black. But when he started preaching, his eyes were completely wide and they were really big. And, and like you could always see if he had prayed for someone, it was not just about laying hands or something. The hair was all over the place. And, you know, he <laughs> but he understood the purpose of, I am a warrior in the kingdom of God. Amen. I think that we, like in First, in first Samuel 17 with David and Goliath, we have listened to the enemy for too long. If you see the story about the army of Israel, they're standing on one hill and Goliath off another hill, and every day Goliath come out and tell the Israelites how useless they are. And the Israelites were just standing there listening. Oh yeah, we are useless. Yeah, we, we are not very good. Yeah, we are really weak. Oh yeah, Goliath, he's really big. And so on, and so on, and so on. And you know what? I think that we have been doing that many of times as a church, as a body of Christ, that we had listened to, to the lies of the devils all the time. He had told us, you can't do this. Just be happy with status quo. Just be happy with what you have got. And then just, that is humility. No, you are built for something greater. Amen. Amen. You're not built for mediocrity. You're built for excellence. Amen. Amen. You know that many, many years ago, there was a man called Alexander Haley. He wrote a book called Roots. And uh, what he did was he went back to see the African American to show the African Americans that their heritage was not sla slavery. But he went back to their roots back in Africa and he showed the Afri African Americans that their ancestors they were proud warriors, kings princesses and queens, you know, proud, strong, capable people, not slaves. And that book transformed how the many African-American people start looking at themselves. That they were not descendants of slaves, but they were descendants of great people. 
And I believe that's the same that the devil have done to each one of us many of times. That we are the, uh, convinced us that we are descendants of, of useless people who has done nothing. But I'm telling you, any great achievement that this world has seen has come from the body of Christ. I'm telling you, anything, you know, you, you don't see, uh, yeah, what is it? I think the only thing Islam has contributed to the world is alcohol or something. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's the only thing they contribute to the world that is anyone really knows about. But anything else you can think of has been the church of the body of Christ. That had, you know, education, uh, hospitals, uh, all these things, it's always come from the body of Christ. We, 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 are, we are riding on this, we're standing on the shoulders of great men and women who have fought the good fight of faith. And you know what? We are supposed to do more than they are. Because we are supposed to start where they stopped. But because the devil have kept telling us, you can't do it, you are useless, you're just a slave, you are, you are nobody. And, and when he told us, and when you say things like that about yourself, now you are pious. No, it's a lie. That's why the first thing that God has to say to Gideon, what was that? Gideon, he said, I'm the worst, I'm the least of the least family in the least in Israel. Okay? And what did God say to him? He, you know, that's the good thing about God. He does not put up with nonsense. He didn't say to Gideon, no, you are not. No, he just, what did God say to Gideon? You are mighty man of valor. Gideon said, no, I'm useless, I'm useless, I'm useless. I'm the worst of my brothers, and my brothers are the worst of, of all kids in the, in the village. And, my, 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 and, you know, and yet it was a lie. Because we see later that once he, 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 he finally gets to do what God asked him to do, he can't even be bothered doing it himself. He gets his servants to do it. So he couldn't have been that poor as he thought he was. Do you know that you can be poor in your head when someone tells you that you are poor? You can. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. You know, like my, my fa- late father-in-law, that uh, he still thought he was poor. So every time, every year we were in Canada, the first thing we have to do, we have to remove all the empty shampoo bottles because he threw nothing out. Okay? And, we, and it, there was a once... What, there was once we took him out for a meal before we went home, and when he called us, when we came home and said, I've forgotten a pair of shoes. He's forgotten, yes, he had a new pair of shoes himself, because he was never used to have anything. He always thought he was poor, okay? Many of us, we have been brainwashed by the devil to believe we can do nothing. But that's not true. Many of us have been told, people have been told, no, I don't have the healing ministry. Yes, you do. How do I know? Have you got five sausages? You qualify for the healing ministry. That's all you need. It, it, it's the Bible, what does the Bible say? That we should lay our hands on the sick. It doesn't say a specific race should do it, or a specific person should do it. Each and every one of us. Amen. Each and every one of us. It doesn't say the pastor should do it. Actually, if you read the, uh, in uh, Ephesians about the ministry we give, it talks about the apostle, prophet, t- uh, pastor, teacher, and uh, evangelist. Yeah, they are there to equip 
equip who the saints who are the saints that's all of us so to what so where we can go out and do it amen no, but but we, we, we're not supposed to be uh, the groupies of a, a famous preacher and then just be the cheerleaders and say, oh, this is wonderful, this is wonderful. I remember we, what was it? I, I think it was David and Jason said to me, that, oh, it was amazing. Benny Hinn, he came to, to Singapore. Yeah, I said, no one probably got saved because all the believers took all the seats. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the evangelist comes to town. No one got saved. Why? Because all the believers took the places. Do you, you know, the same thing, I think, it can, we, did we all go down to Birmingham when Reinhard Bonke was there? I remember, the majority of the people there, they were already saved. But when, you know, that was also the time when Stephen Hill was there, wasn't it? Stephen Hill. Uh, even if you were saved, you needed to be saved after you heard him, because he was like a hellfire and brimstone preacher. There. I remember this Helen Bowell, remember her, the doctor? She was sitting next to me, and she's been a believer all her life, nearly. When she heard Steve, he said, Oh, I think I need to go down and get saved. Because he would put you there. Can you not remember? Were you not there, man? In Birmingham. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But, but we have been listening for too long to the, to the lies of the devil. And now, what is wonderful about the story of David is when David comes along, and the interesting thing is, he hears the same words as all the others here, but he responds differently. Why is it like that? Because David, you know, we know about David's young, uh, early life, is that he spent a lot of time on his own with the Lord when he was looking after the sheep. Okay? So because of what was on the inside of him caused that he heard something completely opposite to what the rest heard. Okay? It was the same words, but because something was going had happened inside of David, he did not respond the same way as the rest of Israel. And that's where another thing you have to understand is that we are living in democracy, in a democracy. So we are used to thinking it's always the majority who are right. This is how democracy works. But the kingdom of God, there is no democracy in the kingdom of God. Just like in a family. Uh, no, democracy does not work in a family. Can you imagine Tata is working, Oliver is at home, Oliver, he say, eat the vegetables. The kids say, let's vote. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter how many how many kids there. There is no such thing as democracy. Okay, and it's the same thing in, in in the kingdom of God. But very often we as believers, we can think because we we because we still struggle with our five physical senses. So we. So when we think other people are thinking the same as we're thinking, we're thinking oh, there must be something right. But you will find in the Word of God, the majority always gets it wrong. Okay, Israel, they wanted a king. The only one who didn't want them to have a king was Samuel. Okay, Samuel was right, Israel was wrong. David, he heard it, 
Even his brothers, he said, oh, we know your heart is selfish and so on. You're just an arrogant little spoiled child and so on. But David was the only one who got it right. Okay? David was the only one. So don't ever seek confirmation in the natural. Because if you do that, you will always go wrong. The greatest revival that we in the UK have ever seen, uh, that's the Wales revival, um, it started out like uh, Evan Roberts. He announced, no, sorry, he had a prayer meeting, and there was only four people in that prayer meeting. And then he prayed and said, That's it, now we got it. And then he put it in a newspaper. Revival have arrived in Wales. And people said, He's crazy. But he, was, he, he did not seek the confirmation from the natural. He held on to what he believed. And that revival became the greatest revival since the day of Pentecost. You know, like uh, the pubs closed down in, uh, in Wales, not because they preached against it, but because no one went, because they were busy going to church. The, uh, my, my favorite story from the Wales revival is that uh, the donkeys in the mines they have to change the mind, you know, not the minds, the donkeys, because the donkeys couldn't understand the people working in the mines anymore, because now they have been saved. Before, you know, we talk like we talk in the world, you know, five swear words, and then when we say what we want, and then five swear words, and the donkeys was, was used to that tone, when suddenly these miners, they got saved. Now they stopped swearing, so they didn't understand a thing, okay? And you know, but even to this day, that, that they said that they talked about when the ships came from America and they came into the shores of Wales, suddenly people just fell to the ground, uh, not uh, on, on the boats, and cried out for Bibles, cried out for, to be saved because the Holy Spirit was so strong. But it started with a man who was not defined by the natural but was defined by what was going on on the inside of him. My church denomination uh, came out of, there was a Danish actress, she came over here to Wales, and that was before internet and anything, so she just showed up in the meeting, and when she showed up in the meeting, a, a prophet just stood up and said to her, uh, called her out by name first, and when she said, to, I say that to my servant, her name, and then, go back to your own country and become an apostle. And so she gave up her career and uh, what was it? Yeah, then hired a, a caravan with a horse and wherever she, she stopped, a church was planted. Okay, But he started with a man who said after a prayer meeting with four or five people, he said, we got it. It reminds me a little bit about Elijah. Can you remember when Elijah, he asked his servant, to go and check. If you read that passage, that uh, the way Elijah is praying, it's like an ancient way of a birth position when you're giving birth, where he, the head between his uh, knees, or so. and uh, and when he when he asks his servant go up and check, okay, the servant comes back and say no, nothing had happened. When he he's not satisfied with that, he says go up and check again, and he go and he keeps sending him, uh, and the seventh time. The servant comes back to Elijah and says, there is a little cloud. And then what does Elijah say? That's it. Let's run because now it's going to pour down now. Okay? And, if, and I think that many of us, 
because we've been so used to being told that we, 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 cannot, we should not expect too much. We should not expect these things. We have heard of them, but we shouldn't expect it. When we see the little thing, we ignore it. Okay? And the thing is that what we don't, what we ignore, we, we won't attract. And so we, so we don't recognize the great things in the small. But, we, but because we, we, we want to see something spectacular where it's, it's grown big, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. Okay? The kingdom of God is like a seed. That's why none of us are born as adults. Have you noticed that? It's not, a, it's not an adult you're giving birth to. It's a, hopefully it's a baby. Else you will be in trouble. Okay? But if the kingdom of God is like a seed. And, but, but, if, but if you look at this example, Elijah, uh, David, uh, uh, Timothy, it's all about we need to throw off that comfort thing. We need to come out of our comfort zone so that we can see the breakthroughs. The breakthroughs do not come by itself. It comes by that you or I, we're making a decision to say, now, enough is enough. I am going to break through. I'm not going to learn to live with it. I'm not going to compromise with, with, with a weakness because God has not, that was not what God intended for me. He intended me to overcome it. Okay? I, I, like I heard someone say, I, I am not... I don't want to be defined by the challenge that I'm facing. I'm defined by the challenge that I overcome. Okay? And you are called to be a champion. Yes. Amen. And that's what David recognized when he, said, when he heard the lies of Goliath, the abuse from Goliath. And he said, hey, 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 that's not what God said. That's not what God said. God, you know, he, he says, we, the army of Israel, are useless. We're just like dogs and so on and so forth. And David, because he had something else on the inside, he said, no, 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 that's not, that's not what God said. That's not what God is saying. That's what you should say when you hear, when you feel a symptom in your body, you should say, no, 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 that's not what God said. Okay? That's not what God said. Or whatever, now is energy crisis, and now is whatever. You know, there's always a crisis in the world, okay? And... And you can just say, no, 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 but, you know, that uh, even Egypt, they had an energy blackout. That was one of the plagues. But Israel was still in light. Can you remember when it was all dark? I don't know what, what happens, but I'm telling you, as I said to you before and many other times, when we bring the first fruit of our labor to the Lord, all the other things will be taken care of. We can prosper in the middle of the desert, if God can provide water for 4 million people for 40 years in a desert where there is no water, uh, I, I'm sure, I, I actually seen he can turn on the light. Uh, not to my amusement. I, I didn't want to do my homework when I was studying. And I had this light and it was broken. So I said to God, I, you know, I was a new believer. I said, okay, God, if you want me to study, I will turn on the light. I knew it didn't work. When I turned it on, it worked. <laughs> that was one miracle I was not too pleased with. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever do economics. There's a subject in economics called statistics. And it's really... That's not my favorite, okay? And so, so then I, when I turned it on, it came on. It was not hallelujah, praise the Lord, or whatever. I said, why can't I not keep my big mouth shut? <laughs> whatever. But... You know, don't worry about it. 
the whole world is based upon fear. Amen. Why? Because when, when, when they can make people afraid, they can, they can be controlled. Okay? But we do not need to be afraid. Remember again, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Corinthians talks about we are ambassadors. That means our provision is not of this world. It's not limited by this world. It is from who sent us. Amen. When we, when, when we, we, if you actually just make a study of what it means to be an, an ambassador, it's not a job title. When you are an ambassador, you are, you are the whole nation personified. So let's say if someone, if you are the ambassador of a country and someone kills you, they basically had declared war against that country. That's who you are. That's, that's what. So we don't need to be worried about anything in this world. Whatever the world tells us is going to happen. I remember, can you remember Y2K? When the computers, when you all see, all airplanes were falling down, computers, you know, it, it was just crazy. There was even something like a survival guides, how much tin food you should have in your basement and all sorts of crazy things. And, and it was just fear driven. But God, God has said, He will take care of you. Yes. He will look after you. When he, he has said, when you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all the other things shall be added. That is without effort. That's why that you can see the lie of the devil that we're thinking we have to pursue the blessing. No, we don't need to because God has said He will add it. He will add it to you. He, you, don't need to, you don't need to kill yourself to get it. He will add it to you. Amen. When we seek first his kingdom, okay, when we seek first his kingdom, he will add it to you yes. without any effort. Just as told, keep my word in your heart and in your mouth and good <coughs> success shall overtake you. So you don't even need to pursue success. It will overtake you. It will, it will find you. Remember the example I gave you about the, that when you're embracing the Holy Spirit, that what is it, the, the whole, it has health and long life in the right hand and prosperity in the left. But when you're embracing God, these two things will support you by itself. And that's why we don't need to be worked. And why? Because we have a greater purpose. And that is to bring breakthrough in this world. We have to bring people to realize there is more to this life than these 70 years we will get here on earth on average, maybe 80, maybe 90. No, there is a greater purpose. And that is to bring the gospel out. So that people don't need to die without God. Okay? Because that's not what we are destined to do. That's why we are here on earth. People, we are not supposed to live with uh, terminal diseases. We're not supposed to live with these weaknesses. We're not supposed to live in condemnation and fear and worry. And you know, you and I, we are the only one who can set them free. Because we have the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. That's what you and I, we, we are destined to do. But because the devil told us we can't do it, we have believed it for so long. But we can be that voice that David said, who, who is he? Who is that voice 
because I know what my God is saying. I know what the Holy Spirit has said to me. I know who lives on the inside of me, and he is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. This is what we need to wake up to. That I'm not destined for mediocrity or, or living an average life. I'm destined to live a life as a king. Amen. You, the Bible says that Jesus is the king of kings. Who, who, who are the kings? It's you and me. Who are the Lord? He's the Lord of lords. Who are the lords? It's you and me. But because we have been, we have, we have been told so, for so long that we actually start believing it, that we, are, we, we shouldn't really expect much. No, you should expect far more. Yes. Amen. So David, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Okay. And do you know what I, what I like about when he, uh, you know, uh, when he, what, what, what David is saying to Goliath before he cuts off his head. He said, today I'm going to feed you to the birds. And, you know, talk about bad language. <laughs> you know, but, he, but he declared it before it happened. And when he says David, he ran towards him. He, you know, he was not driven by fear. He, and no, the second thing, he was willing to confront. Amen. The Bible talks about blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. Uh, too long we have been peacekeepers. Now, now it's time for us to be peacemakers. Take the confrontation. Okay? And if you, you know, like what, what the late Mosvedo, he said, you know, all, all truth are parallel. And if, you, if the Ukraine crisis have taught us something, is that if you stand up to the bully, the bully cannot win. Amen? You know, everyone before 24th of February, they believe that if Russia invades, they will just be in Kiev uh, within a few days. Even the Russian army believed that. They, they, you know, that's why they didn't have any they have this, uh, parade uniforms in what we brought with them to the front because we thought we were just going to ride in. But Ukraine, they stood up to, to the bully and the bully could not overcome them. And I'm telling you, it's a prophetic sign to all of us that now, what, bully, what voice of a bully have you heard in your life? What voice have you heard in your life that is told, that telling you you can't achieve this, or you can't get that, or you can't do that, or you can't become that? What voice have you listened to? And today is time to stand up and say, no, no more. No more. Because that's not what God have, to, have saved me for. He saved me for greatness. He saved me for excellence. He saved me, he saved me to breakthrough. This is who I am. Amen. And if the devil or any other religious person asks you, who do you think that you are? You can say like what Jesse Duplantis, he said, how long have you got? Okay. Because you are somebody. Amen. You, you are not a nobody. You are a somebody. You are, you are valuable. You are not useless. You are, you are priceless because the price that has been paid for you is so unique that there was only one person who could pay it. That is how, how, how exceptional that you are. And yet we have let the devil tell us we are nobodies. That's a lie. And I believe that this is, this is the message we need to stir up in ourselves first, but also in those around us. Because... We are not supposed to live in mediocrity. Mm. Uh, there was a book, I don't know where, 
God, if you, if you can get hold of it anymore. There was a book I read many years ago called that the church has an enemy called average. And it was like, uh, you can call it mediocrity, that we get satisfied with mediocrity. No, don't, don't get satisfied with that. Because you are you're destined to far greater things. Okay? Uh, have you ever... No, no, you don't follow baseball. Okay. But, but there is a guy... I think you can probably find it on YouTube, the video. But, but there's this guy, he's never, you know, you know the baseball, the, the bases, you hit it and then it's coming to the first base. But this guy, he has never, never managed to get to the first base. Okay. But when one day he hits a wonder shot, Willie, and he managed to come to the first base, and then he stands there. And the whole stadium is urging, run, run, run. You can, you can make a home run. But because he never managed to get beyond first base, he oh, wow, I made it to first base. I'm, and no, he, he knocked the ball out of the park. But he couldn't see it. Because he's always been used to mediocrity. Medio- so he could not strive for what he could really. And I believe many of us, that if I can... Be a little part of, open your eyes and say, you know what, that's not your heritage. You're called to something far greater. Far, far greater. Can you, you know, there was a Bible teacher called E.W. Kenyon. When he died, when they opened up his body afterwards, his, his body parts, his lungs, his kidney, you know, he became nearly 100 years old. It was as healthy as a 20-year-old. Okay? Because we are, we are supernatural beings. You know, we are not we are not improved sinners. Do you, do you understand? We are a complete new category of human beings or creations, as the Bible say. But because of no one have ever no one ever tells you these things. But we need to remind ourselves of this is who we are. This is what we are destined for. This is what we are called for. We are not just called to have a, an average life so that, oh, I'm just happy with what I have and this is just wonderful and so on. No, you're supposed to be the shining light wherever you go. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. They, 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 they might say about you and I, yeah, who are they? You know, they can see the natural, but they will also be able to see it must be something that is upon them. It's that God can be seen upon them. Amen. We can make the impossible possible. Okay, where other people have no solution, we can bring the solution. Why? Because we can bring God on the scene. We don't need to fear a bad report. Why? Because he has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. We don't need to be worried about this, that, and the other. Remember when Pastor Jens Peter from Denmark was here? When in his family he talked about that every time everyone who turned about 50 years old they died of a heart attack, okay? And when he turned 50, he started getting worried about that too. Until he dawned on him, no, 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 I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm born again. My, I, you know, like no. I, when 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 I go to the doctor, ask me, is there anything in your family line? So I have no idea. Okay. But I don't need to worry. Why? Because he is my heavenly father. Okay? There is nothing wrong with my heavenly father's DNA, with his genes. No. He, he, he don't have high blood pressure, my, my heavenly father. 
okay? He, he, he don't uh, struggle with a high sugar level or whatever. Why? Because he's perfect. And it is his DNA that runs in me now. Amen? It is his blood. So you can be absolutely at peace. And no matter what comes against you, no matter what faces you, you don't need to worry about it. Why? Because he has said, I am with you. Amen? So instead, so don't ever uh, avoid the confrontation. Take it. Because when you take the confrontation, you overcome. Okay? When you become a peacemaker, a peacemaker is someone who is willing to confront to make peace. Okay? A peacekeeper is someone who compromises to keep the peace. And the peace you get for compromise never lasts. Why? Because once you made one compromise, a few days later there will be another compromise. And suddenly, one compromise will become ten. Okay? But it's better we take the confrontation. And this was what David did with Goliath. He confronted him. The rest, they, they thought we can appease him. Just, just be quiet. Just be quiet. No. The bully has to be confronted. And the devil is a bully. Oh, my early Bible teacher, mentor, he said to me, the devil, he's a mouse with a microphone. He shouts big words, but all it is, it's words. Have you ever focused upon, if Goliath, why did Goliath not just attack these polites? He could have, why didn't he have, because bullies, they just make noise. And we have a saying in Denmark, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Okay? The bigger the chance it looks like in your life, the greater the fall. Amen? Or the sweeter the victory. Because you are destined to victory. Whatever you, you can line, whatever challenge you have in your life right now, and then you can say to yourself, are they absolutely certain of, God has promised me victory. Amen. It's not if or but. No, God has promised me I shall overcome it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. The Bible talks about that the enemy shall attack you one way and flee in seven. Okay? Why? Because when the enemy comes against you, now he sees Jesus. You have to understand, we are in Christ. Okay? <laughs> we are in Christ. Amen? So don't stand. No, I'm not Jesus. No, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> the devil comes and he sees Jesus. And when you're big bouncer, say to me, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm depressed. And when the devil says, oh, let's get some more depressed demons over here. Because, yeah. No. That's why that sometimes the best thing, if you don't know what to say, say nothing. I don't know if it's a Bible proverb or if it's a Danish proverb, but even the, 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 the silent man looks wise, isn't it? It's only until we open our mouth we find out we're not as intelligent. So, and uh, and uh, no, someone said that's because light travels faster than sound or something. I can't remember a joke. That's why we can look clever. Anyway, but this is what we need to stir ourselves up. I think it's in in, a, in one of Peter's epistles. It uses actually the phrase, stir yourself up. Motivate yourself. Okay? Don't wait for it. 
the, your victory is here today. Not tomorrow or next year or whatever. The, the one thing I never understood when, can you remember when, uh, in the, with the frogs uh, during the plagues in Egypt, when Moses comes up to Pharaoh and say, uh, when, when do, so after we the frogs, when, when do you want to get rid of them? When Pharaoh say, tomorrow. Why not now? Okay, tomorrow. So he, he wants to endure the pain for another evening. Unless, he, you know, he's not friends, is he? <laughs> oh, there's food everywhere. <laughs> but he said tomorrow. And it's the same thing I've seen with many people. Oh, when, when they want to make a change. Oh, I will do it tomorrow. Or, uh, meaning, when they were going to do it. No, make a decision. Say, today, I'm going to start to live my life as a conqueror as a champion, as a victor. Today, I'm going to look at myself as I am a mighty man of valor. Why was, why, why was Gideon a mighty man of valor? Because he was under the covenant. Now, you have to understand, our covenant is far greater. Now, we are not walking just with God. We are in God. You know, we are, we are in Him, they, were, you know, they have a relationship uh, as an external thing. We are in him and he in us. So may, let us make that decision. Stir, uh, stir up yourself. Because you, I am a mighty man of valor. I am a covenant person. And now I'm going to take my victory. Now I'm going to have that breakthrough. Now I'm going to see these things that I so-called... I'm, I'm, I'm done standing in faith. I'm taking it now. Amen? This is what you're called for. And, that, and, the, and when from that moment you make that decision, you don't go back on your confession. You hold on to it. Just like when you got saved, when I got saved, oh, it was wonderful. Oh, wow, I'm hallelujah, I'm Christian. I'm Christian. So I did something bad the next day. Oh, now I'm on my way to hell. When the third day, oh, now I did something good. I'm, now I'm a Christian again. It was like up and down all the time. Until I realized one day, no, I had to stick to my confession. Despite of what I feel, despite of what I see, despite of what happens, despite of what I've done, I am a Christian. I am born again. I've been born again. And you know, now I don't struggle with that battle anymore. Why? How did it get established? Because I held on to my confession. And you know what? You can do exactly the same when it comes to your to your healing, to your breakthrough, whatever area you need breakthrough in, you can hold on to it. Amen? And it's not going to take 10 years as, as I, it dawned on me this thing about harvesting thing. The maximum time it should take should be 100 days. Don't, don't, don't stand in faith for something for 40 years or something like that. Okay? I know people who stood in faith for a girlfriend or boyfriend for 40 years. No, no. Now it's impossible because for the, you can't classify them as boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I had a guy who called me. I think he's nearly seventy. I said, "What, what is it?" <coughs> no, we, we, have, we have a specific word in Danish that I had not heard since I was a teenager. When when you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and he was seventy years old. I said, I said, I can't believe you just used that word. I've I not heard that word since I was 12 years old. Uh, we have it's a specific Danish word for it, but it, it just looks, sounds completely ridiculous. It's like a, you have an 80-year-old saying, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> uh, 
okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just uh, anyway, but you have, you know, if it if it if it goes more than a hundred years, a uh, hundred days, you need to find out. Maybe I prayed the wrong prayer. Okay, it shouldn't take so because Galatians six nine it talks about that you shall weep in due time if you do not give up or if you don't grow weary and so. And what is the what is he referring to? To the natural harvest. And you ask any farmer that it's about a hundred years from the, the plant the seed until the harvest. That's about the time it takes from the seed sown to they don't. So he he's he's very specific. When he talks about the seed time, it's not just oh maybe the farmer don't go out. Let's sow some stuff. Let's see if it ever something happens. <laughs> when is the harvest? Oh, I don't know. In due time, you know. And you know, even if you understand the word due time, have you ever got a bill that says it's due? Uh, you can't just say oh yeah, I'll just pay whenever. No, the bank will tell you it's due. And the same thing God says, your harvest is due. There is not like a flexible time for when it's supposed to happen. That's religion and traditions that have brought that in. But when you sow a seed, 100 days maximum. Okay? But if you don't know it, you don't expect it. If you don't expect it, you don't take it. Okay? So, and if you don't realize it, it won't work for you. Anyway, uh, so, uh, well, I was actually supposed to preach about uh, something completely different, but uh, but anyway, I just want to stir you up, okay? I I think it's so so important because I meet so I you know when, during the week I when I speak to people and it's just I think that we are we are in a we are in a big big fight about identity in our culture and so many of us. We have not been told who we are. We have been told a lot about who we are not, which is a lie, but we need to know who we are. Because once you find out who you really are, you're going to throw off all these chains of mediocrity, limitations, things that hold you down, you know, because once you realize this is who I am, okay? You know, you, you all read the, heard the story about the Ockley Duckling, haven't you? Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale, okay? What is, the, what is the secret of that story? What is the point of that story? It, it, it was never a duck. <laughs> but, but because the, the, the spot defines itself by the circumstances. So it tried to be something far less than it was supposed to be. And I believe many of us, we have done exactly the same. We settle for not second best or third best, but we settle for yeah, seventh best, whatever, so, uh, so low. There, there was a young boy, he, he, when, he was, uh, when, no, when he was young, he got taken to heaven. And now, I'm not saying heaven is like this. I don't believe heaven is like anything like what people are saying, because of, uh, uh, I don't think we would be able to describe it. But God speaks in uh, use images that that young boy could understand. And when this young boy, he was taken into a big warehouse, and when he said, this is all yours, and you're supposed to have it on earth. And when he saw many other storehouses, it was completely full, and he said, why are they all full? Because no one have asked for it. 
Okay? No one has asked for it. Because why have we not asked? Because we feel oh, I'm not worthy. Uh, I mean, you know, it reminds me of that preacher that uh, I think it's Ulf Ekman who shares that story that uh, when he is in uh, a Bible school in America and when there's this uh, big uh, publisher, uh, he says to Ulf Ekman, two other pastors, uh, come down to my uh, to my, my place, you know, the store place, and when they come down there, he says, this guy, he says to these three guys, just take whatever you want. Okay, so Ulf Wegman, he calls his wife. <laughs> hey, hey, come on, we, we, I said, he, he, you know, he fills the trolley up, and the wife fills the trolley up, and we come up. And so the second guy, he comes up, he comes with five books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ulf Wegman, he looks at him and says, five books? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I said, yeah, but that's all that I need, you know. Yeah, uh, did you not hear? You could take whatever you want. Yeah, but I don't need more than these five books. Yeah. When the third one came up, he came up with one. <laughs> oh, that's enough for me. I said, yeah, I, I, I did not hear. Yeah, but I, I, I did take one more, but when I put it back because of, you know, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable about it. And you know what? This is how we are very often as believers. You know, take it. Everything is yours. It's paid for. For you to take it now. Amen. You don't need it when you get to heaven. Amen. You don't need your money in heaven. You don't need healing in heaven. Amen. You, you need it here on earth. Okay? It, it's a it's a it's a this thing about the uh, Christian talks about heaven and end time and always it's really a sign of that the Holy Spirit have left them. So all they're left with is opinions and charities, but no power. And the sad thing about it, you can actually read that in 1 Samuel 16, that it talks about when the Holy Spirit departs from Saul, he didn't even know. Okay? He didn't even know it. And, and all Saul was left with was uh, terrible abuse, really, in the natural, he could only fight things in the natural. And then he went into the occult at the end of his life and he just got from bad to worse. But the, the, the gospel is about everything that is in heaven is available for us here on earth now. That, you know, the inventions that, that this world needs, it needs to come from the body of Christ. You know, Penicillin, he was a believer, the guy who invented it. You, know, you could take every spiritual, every breakthrough, medicine, engineering, everything, it comes from the body of Christ. And there are still many breakthroughs that need to be done here on this earth. Okay? There are still many breakthroughs that need to be done. And it needs to come from the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, release that spirit of excellence upon each one of us. Lord, we, we, we stir up ourselves and we shall see your kingdom come here in our lifetime. Not in 10 years' time, but now. Lord, I thank you that every promise shall be manifested, that every word that you have given to each one of us shall be manifested in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.